welcome back. Happy, happy October, Richard. Oh, it's you know. <laughs> we're, we're into the final quarter of the, of the year. Um, uh, believe it or not. I can't. Um, and, you know, it's getting darker sooner. Yeah. So that's a sure sign that fall is, is here or coming. It doesn't feel like fall here in it's Florida. It's a little bit less humid, though. Uh, it's, it's what? It's a little bit less humid. Um, not yesterday. Well, it was very hot yesterday. Yeah. So in Florida, it's hard. To, you watch football games from around the country and you see other, other places where they have sweaters and coats. And here it's 91 degrees yesterday, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But it is fall. It is October. Um, and so we're getting ready for Christmas, <clears throat> from what I understand. People tell me that I don't go to stores, but people tell me who do go shopping that uh, the stores, the retail outlets are gearing up for the holidays. Yeah, um, it's it is just that time. Um, so uh, but I understand, and, and I understand there's not going to be anything to buy this year. Because all the ships are out and they're they're not able to unload their cargo. So oh my, um, my wife told me it's going to be this going to be Dad's kind of Christmas this year. There won't be anything to buy, you know. So I'm sure that there will be plenty to buy. Be plenty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, relatively speaking, there'll be nothing to buy. But, right. You know. but, yeah. but yes, it is fall and um, um, it is October, and I can't believe in the last quarter of the year. It, it, yeah, it's it's gone by very very quickly, but. Yeah. Um, but you know, today's podcast isn't about any of that. Um, nor, nor is it about COVID. It is not. It's not about COVID, and it's not about uh, the end of the year. Today, we're going to talk about. It, it's a topic we've talked about before, uh, but yeah, we're going to just kind of review it again. And um, and we found this interesting article that sort of takes a fresh look at uh, borderline personality disorder. Exactly. Um, this is it's one of those topics that that is all it's all always present mm -hmm. and it keeps coming around and people continue to ask about it um and so we thought well maybe so we started to, to nose around in the literature and lo and behold we found that there are some controversies with the diagnosis and we thought well let's take a look at it and bring everybody up to date well and, and i suppose we should we should say that um as it relates to that that th there's sort of controversies around all of the personality disorders. You know, um, when, it, when it comes to things like anxiety and depression mm -hmm. and ADHD and all those kinds of uh, PTSD and all those uh, different conditions, we tend to think of them as sort of individual um, conditions. Now they, they overlap, you know, depression right. and anxiety occur, mm -hmm. occur mm -hmm. quite frequently, but um, we tend to see them as separate diagnoses. And, um, a lot of times when we talk about personality disorders, we, we tend to think of it the same way, but, but yes, there's this entire um, area that talks about, you know, personality is much more fluid right. as it relates to, you know, you may have some traits from over here and over there. And, you know, um, you know, you may present differently in, in one circumstance versus a different circumstance. And so um, personality disorders are really difficult to talk about um, in general. Um, okay. But borderline personality disorder is especially challenging um, because it is such a, a complex and um, can be very, very difficult, very challenging condition. Right. The personality disorders um, themselves, and, and there are three groups of personality disorders, um, always present, uh, frequently present a diagnostic challenge because right. they, are, they are difficult to articulate, define clearly. Uh, 
And you, you often get the feeling, at least I get the feeling that, that the diagnostic and statistical manual, the folks who developed that manual, are someday are going to take a, a close look at the personality disorders and say, let's, let's take a fresh look at these things and see. Some are easy, you know, narcissism is pretty easy to, to do, but the other personality disorders uh, are sometimes difficult to fully articulate exactly what they are. And then, then that assessment becomes difficult and intervention becomes difficult. And I think of all of them, this, this um, notion of a borderline personality disorder may be the most confusing of all of the personality disorders. Absolutely. And so, you know, just to, to quickly kind of give a, a, a very brief, we, we could spend days talking about what, what personality even is, right. um, you know, but, but just to think about sort of a, a, a foundation that we'll work from, you know, when we talk about personality, we're talking about, you know, sort of the way in which you, you see and interpret and interact with the world around you. Mm-hmm. Um, now, mm-hmm. unlike some of the clinical diagnoses that we talk about, again, like depression and anxiety and ADHD and OCD and those kinds of things, um, mm-hmm. personality is sort of the underlying perspective that, um, that, that is just the way that you do it. It's not like it, it's one way, um, you know, that you have an episode of uh, right. personality and then you have another episode of personality. It's like, it, it is the overall general, um, way, um, all the time. It doesn't, it doesn't change. Um, it may make you more susceptible to erratic behavior or, mm-hmm. um, impulsive or unpredictable behavior, but it doesn't, it doesn't change, um, episodically like we see with mood disorders or, um, some other conditions. Right. Um, I always, just I always think of it. World. Yeah. I always think of it as this is who you are. Right. You know, day in, day out, this is who you are, right. but it also relates and it also relates to, um, how you, uh, think about yourself who, who you are, and also your relationship to other people. Part, right. part of the part of the personality, all the personality uh, disorders have something to do with how you relate to others. Okay, right. but it is it is characterological. It is who you are. It doesn't fluctuate from day to day. It, right, and, and so we another some other vocabulary that we've introduced in previous podcasts uh, are the issues of um, egocentric and egodystonic. Um, And so when it comes to personality disorders or personality in general, um, they tend to be what's called egocentric, meaning that um, it's the way that you see the world and think about yourself. And you're typically under the impression that everybody else does sees it the same way. Whereas right. even dystonic suggests that you know that you see it or feel it something different than what other people do. Um, and so with personality, we tend to think of it as syntonic because, you know, I see the world this way. That's just the way that the world is to me. Right. Everyone else must see the world the same way because that's just the way the world is. Right. It's, it's as I view it. Right. 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 So. So when it comes to borderline personality disorder, um, and, and I guess the personality disorders suggest that the way in which we see the world sometimes causes problems. Um, it, it creates difficulties interacting with other people. As you said, you know, it affects the way in which we communicate with other people, the way that we view other people, the, the way we value other people, um, right. the way we value ourselves. Um, and, and 
all of those um, factors. And so when there is, or when there are problems associated with that, that, that mm-hmm. leads us into the world of personality disorders. Right. And, right. and one of those is borderline personality disorder. Right, right. And, and, and as we say, probably the most, the pr- most problematic, uh, I think, of, of these. Um, um, someday, I, I think we've done podcasts in the past where we've walked through all three right. um, clusters, uh, what they call them clusters of personality disorder. But of the three clusters, this, this one, uh, borderline personality disorder, um, creates, I think, creates the most confusion. Right. Um, of all of them. Right. Right. Um, the cluster B, which is also where mm-hmm. antisocial personality disorder, right. is, where, um, you narcissism. know, um, narcissistic personality disorder. So there's other disorders in that category or in that cluster, mm-hmm. uh, that cluster B um, that makes and it does, you know, that cluster is amongst the most complicated and, and challenging right. disorders. Yeah, they really are. Really are. Now, the, this whole term, bipo- this idea of borderline, maybe is the f- place where the confusion really begins. Um, the term was first used. All of this personality stuff comes out of the European tradition, the psychoanalytic tradition that Freud started. And the term was first used in 1938. Um, it was first described in the United States um, in 1975. The, the term borderline personality disorder was first uh, used in 1975. And the, the head of the man who's considered the father of borderline personality disorder is a fellow by the name of John Gunderson. Uh, he died recently in 2019. So this is current work. And I mentioned his name because we're going to be, we're going to be talking about another uh, expert at the end of this, and she happens to be the director of the Gunderson Personality Clinic at McLean Medical School, which is affiliated with Harvard. But it was Gunderson who did the pioneering work in this field, and he was the one who described the characteristics that we now use in DSM-5. It was first described in uh, DSM, uh, would have been three in 1980, um, three or three. Yeah, DSM-3 in 1980. And um, he was the one who first described the symptoms that we use today. Um, it's classified, as you said earlier, about as a personality disorder, which means it has something to do with how the person relates to himself and other people. Right. Now, where it gets complicated, and, and this whole notion of borderline, um, why borderline? Um, the problem with borderline personality disorder is it's so complicated. Right. Uh, the, the signs and symptoms um, are, are, there's a lengthy list, and I, I always hesitate to read off this list, right. but, but I don't know how else to avoid it. Um, the problem is, 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 is it's the complication, the overlap with other disorders, the, uh, the, the amount of comorbidity right. that exists with other things, and just the sheer list of characteristics that are associated with borderline personality disorder. Right, and and mm-hmm. as you suggested, the, the name itself is very complicated because th- there's nothing specific that we're saying that it borderlines. It, it doesn't borderline but, this and between this and this. It, it's sort of the, on the border of a lot of different things from mood disorders because right. 
some of those characteristics includes rapid shifts in mood, mm -hmm. um, anxiety because of uh, intense fears of fears of things like abandonment. Um, it right. borders on the area of um, thought related disorders because mm -hmm. of, you know, misperceptions of, of reality sometimes that happens um, where you know, there's some interaction and the person with borderline personality disorder may, may view that interaction in ways that are very different than what other people um, that are there uh, view it. So it's sort of on the cusp of a lot of different conditions. Right. And as you said, which really complicates the, the, the presentation, the diagnostic um, approach to it um, and makes it really hard to be clear when it comes to, to diagnosing it. Right. In our field, we talk about neurotic disorders and psychotic disorders. I mean, shorthand. Neurotic disorders are things like anxiety, mm -hmm. um, irrational fears. Those are kind of neurotic disorders. And again, this goes back to Freud. So I have to remember <clears throat> this stuff came from that psychoanalytic uh, perspective. Psychotic disorders are breaks with reality. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong. You don't deal with the real world. Right. There, there's some fundamental flaw in how you view the world. And when it's and, in, this, in, in this term, in this way, we're not talking necessarily about psychosis specifically like schizophrenia. We may be talking about schizophrenia or mania, for example, or, um, you know, sometimes some of the real severe anxiety disorders even, you know, result in a, in sort of this break and in, in disconnect with what's really happening around, mm -hmm. around the person. So it's not necessarily talking about psychosis in a diagnostic way, but sort of a class of, um, conditions that, that create a little bit of that break from what's really happening around you. Yeah, we're not talking about people who have to be managed in institutional settings, right. necessarily, right? But th this borderline <clears throat> seems to fit somewhere between the neurotic disorders and the psychotic disorders, okay? Right. And, and I, I think the reason it got stuck there is because there are some people who have very severe symptoms, right? And the symptoms are so severe that they start to look like the things that we typically associate with psychotic disorders. Okay? Right. Absolutely. Nobody wants to call it that. So it's kind of in between. So the word borderline is this, this in between thing here, but that doesn't simplify and that doesn't clarify the problem with borderline personality disorder. And, and that's what we need to, that's what we need to work on. Right. And so we had this overlap uh, with bipolar, uh, borderline personality disorder symptoms with, with all of these other things, as we mentioned, depression and anxiety disorders and, um, you know, substance abuse disorders and, um, a lot of different things. And because of that, we tend to see, um, you know, misdiagnoses, right. um, you know, for, for example, many times, um, a person may be diagnosed with bipolar disorder, for example, uh, because of rapid, um, uh, mood uh, fluctuations, uh, mood swings. Well, one of the characteristics of borderline personality disorder is rapid shifts in mood that, that right. happen almost <clears throat> happen very quickly and in, in throughout the day. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying that everybody who has mood swings like that is borderline personality disorder, but right. um, <laughs> but that kind of confusion happens very often, even in professionals right. when they're trying to to examine some of this. Right. And that's that's where it gets complicated, because 
We say on the one hand that it's somewhere between neurotic and psychotic, but all that does is tell us that this is a very complex disorder. Right. And one of the things that I didn't know, well, I knew from studying it, but this disorder isn't even listed in ICD-10. Right. Okay. Most disorders are listed in DSM and ICD. This disorder doesn't even exist. It has a, there's a comparable name for the condition, but the term itself doesn't exist there. And one of the problems we get into is, is the, the primary problem is the complexity. Number one is the complexity of this disorder. It just looks like many other kinds of things. The second problem is that there's a full spectrum as, as with many disorders from very mild to very severe. And when you get to the very severe end of the spectrum, it begins to look like many other things, okay? And so the symptoms of borderline personality disorder overlap with depression, of course, because it looks like a mood disorder. It looks like anxiety. People with borderline personality disorder frequently have eating disorders. It looks a lot like PTSD. There's frequently a substance abuse component. And as you said, it can look like bipolar disorder. Right. It, it, looks like, it, it looks like this kind of uh, frenetic mood uh, frequently uh, occurs in people with borderline personality disorder. So it just looks like many other things. And so one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this today was because frequently people come in and they will ask, listen, I think I'm, I think I'm border. I think I'm borderlines is mm-hmm. typically how they put it. But as soon as I hear those words, I think, okay, this is a complex, right. multifaceted picture. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, um, and, and it's usually that a person has one of those characteristics or traits and they look for, um, they're, they're looking for it online, you know, trying to get a better understanding of it and, and it comes up. Um, but the, but when it comes to the, like the etiology or, or where, you know, how it comes about, right. you know, there, there, there is a, a bit of controversy with that as well. You know, we, we once thought that it was a bit, was related genetically. Right. Um, but you know, there's not a lot, there's actually not a lot of evidence, um, not a lot, a lot of strong evidence to suggest right. that that's the case, um, where it looks more, um, probable as it relates to the etiology um, we need to look at like neurobiological stuff, but especially neurobiological um, as a consequence of psychosocial factors like mm-hmm. abuse and neglect and, and abandonment and some of those types of things. Right. That's right. And I think that's where we're probably going to find um, more valuable information because uh, the neurobiological <clears throat> and the genetic hasn't really uh, produced much uh, a value yet. Uh, the research is, is not producing much, but we do know that there are certain psychosocial factors right. such as neglect, abuse, and attachment that could be um, causal or at least co- highly correlated with, um, with uh, borderline personality disorder. A- absolutely. And if we think about, you know, we were talking about personality earlier and how, how it is sort of who we are and, and everything. Um, we don't really think about personality until adulthood. You know, we, right. we, don't, we don't think about personality in, in children or anything like that, though, you know, it, it is important that we recognize that, you know, we, we are born with a temperament. Um, right. and, and, you know, any of anyone who's had a couple of kids knows that 
you know, they can recognize that, you know, you have one child that was born and, you know, they were very easy um, and they adapted well and adjusted well. And then the next child may be a little bit slow, uh, slow to warm up to things or maybe a little bit more difficult. And, and that's from birth, you know, those, right. those temperamental um, characteristics are present at birth. And, and that sort of lays part of the foundation that will later become um, one's uh, personality. But right. Um, what is built upon that, that partial foundation are, is then all of your experiences. So if you have a bit of a challenging um, temperament, uh, difficult temperament, and then you have neglect and abuse and attachment problems and some of those kinds of things that really develop and build this uh, sort of unsteady structure um, that is your, your, your personality, um, then you're at increased risk for developing something like, you know, a borderline personality disorder or some other personality disorder. Right. But it begins with temperament. Right. You, you start with that because, as we said, this is about the person that you are. Right. But we now know that your personality can be affected by life events. Right. And, and things can change, especially <clears throat> during the trip through adolescence. Right things can change dramatically. Yeah. So there are these environmental and family factors right. that can shape or misshape a person's personality. That's why we talk about attachment and abuse and neglect, because you can have a certain temperament when you're a year or two or three, but if you suffer um, abuse and neglect, it's going to shape, reshape that person, that basic temperament. Absolutely. And if you think about, you know, this is why some of the, there, there's some of the complications as it relates to um, a, a genetic predisposition, because, right. you know, it, you can imagine if you have a parent with borderline personality disorder, so that their personality is going to affect the way that they interact and engage and see, see themselves and see right. others, that person then raising a child, there's going to be some relational issues there that can then you know, contribute to an increased risk for that child to have it. And so it's not necessarily genetic in nature. Exactly. It may be part of that environmental exposure and stuff. And all That's of the, right. the diagnosis, all the more complicated because, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, um, you know, as we said before, as part of this cluster B uh, from the personality disorders, but it's, um, it, it's so complicated because we don't have very clear and decisive um, criteria and um, experiences that we can say, okay, because this like bipolar disorder is relatively straightforward, right. as complicated as a diagnosis that is as well, it's relatively straightforward because if a person has a manic episode, that mm -hmm. person has bipolar disorder, <laughs> the diagnostic criteria is very clear. If you have a manic episode, you're bipolar, you have bipolar disorder. Um, with borderline personality disorder, it's much more complicated because you can have all of these different symptoms and still it may or may not be borderline personality disorder because it could be a lot of other things. So um, I, I think you're muted, Richard. Um, so I think that, um, you know, it, it makes that complicated because it, uh, again, of that overlap with everything else. Right. And even if you look at the diagnostic criteria, the official Diagnostic criteria in DSM-5, as helpful as they are, when you look at them, so for example, the first one is chronic, chronic feelings of emptiness. Who hasn't experienced that? And right. okay, emotional instability. Right. There, there starts to look like 
um, borderline, you know, uh, bipolar disorder because you have instability, but it looks like a lot of other mood disorders. Frantic efforts to avoid real or um, imagined abandonment. Um, once again, we see the effects of attachment issues here. Well, and but, that can even look like a, a separation anxiety. But it looks like separation anxiety, right? And so when you read through these symptoms, you get the same feeling that, wow, this could be a lot of different things. Right. right? And so that's where this becomes, the, one of them is impulsive behavior. Right. You know, there are whole categories of different types of impulsive behavior throughout um, throughout the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. Self-harm is another one, paranoid ideation, dissociative symptoms, and we're gonna talk about dissociative disorder in a later podcast. But again, the, the, there's all this symptom overlap. Right. And that's the other thing that makes this so difficult. There isn't a defining characteristic. And that's why when people say, well, she's must be borderline, the, the implication there is that there's some defining characteristic. Right. There isn't a defining characteristic. Right. There, there are all these characteristics that have to be carefully sorted through and make sure that you're looking at, at borderline and not something else. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so when we get to issues of, of diagnosis, um, we have all of those issues, um, all of the um, issues related to um, symptoms, but then you have issues related to when can you even make the diagnosis? Cause sometimes right. we see, right. sometimes we see some of these behaviors in adolescence and, you know, is that part of an adolescent angst or is that, or is this an emerging personality disorder? And so right. it's really difficult to, to know, you know, when you're working with a 15, 16 year old, if this is something that we need to be concerned about from a personality perspective, or is this something else that's going on? That's right. It's, it, and we were, we were cautioned in our training not to make this diagnosis right. prior to adult, either late adolescence, 18, 19, or early adulthood, because um, at 14 or 15, it's a pretty good chance that you're going to change over the next five or six or eight years. And so we're hesitant to say, this is who you are right. and that it's a personality disorder. So what we do is we say, possibly an emerging personality disorder. There are some characteristics here that suggest that this could be a personality disorder, but it's just too early to tell. And I think it's too early, probably prior to early, early twenties, uh, right. Uh, or at least, at least late adolescence. Absolutely. And then you have, um, again, as we mentioned, the, the overlapping symptoms, um, but then there's the issue of comorbidity and, and mm -hmm. there is a, a high risk mm -hmm. of um, comorbidity where you can have. Um, and I think one of the most complicated comorbid conditions with borderline personality right. disorder is comorbid <laughs> between bo uh, borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder. Bipolar. Um, right. And, and there, there's, you know, some evidence in the literature that that those two things can happen um, together and, and that results in a you know, talking about a complicated condition already, that even makes right. it more complicated. Right. I had one case like that where a person had both and it was a very difficult thing yeah. legally and professionally to sort out, you know, and ended right. up in a, in a court case. But um, it's a very difficult thing to sort through because there's so much symptom overlap between those two. Absolutely. And so, so <clears throat> you know, what we really need to think about with borderline personality disorder, you know, once you 
make the diagnosis or once you see right. what's really going on, then we get to the idea of treatment and, um, you know, treating, um, <laughs> treating personality disorders in and of themselves is extremely difficult. I mean, imagine um, working to treat someone, um, you know, treat the way that someone sees themselves or someone sees the world. It, it, again, is the, it's the, it's the, it's the framework through which you see everything in your, in your right. life. That's right. Your treatment is then geared to try to adjust that. And it's really difficult. You know, we used to think that, and, and in fact, one of the problems with bipolar is with borderline personality disorder, I should just say BPD, um, is that we used to think that you couldn't treat it. Right. And that was one of the problems that, right. that there was no treatment. Um, these are characterological issues, and you know, but you but you can. The problem is, is that because it's not a single symptom, right? The pharma about 75% of people who have BPD are on some type of medication, right. but it's not to treat BPD, it's to treat the symptoms that occur with BPD. So if right. you have a mood disorder or you have anxiety or you're depressed. We, we, can, we can prescribe medication for that, but you don't prescribe medication for BPD because it's like, I'm going to prescribe a medication for your personality. That's not how it works. That's, that's right. not what you treat. Right. And it makes me think a little bit like um, about what we talked about with autism. Um, right. Medication for autism isn't to treat autism. It, it's right. to treat symptoms associated, that, the coast symptoms that are associated with it. So the irritability right. or the inattention or the rigidity. Um, right. And it's the same thing with personality. And so, yeah, you know, many of those individuals are on uh, mood stabilizers to help right. with that fluctuation. They may be on um, anti-anxiety medications to help mm -hmm. with some of that fear and in and, and, and those kinds of anxieties. Um, and then, of course, antidepressants and things like that for um, other you know, depressive symptoms and, and mood related symptoms. But right. there, there's not a, a, a medication that is designed specifically for your personality. Now, yeah. I will say that there has been some recent research looking at the effect of some, um, some new medications right. like, um, and, and some medications that would make some people very anxious <laughs> to think about things like psilocybin, psilocybin. Um, right. um, and other um, hypnotic um, <clears throat> types of medications, um, right. substances that have been used clinically to help, uh, you know, treat personality disorders. And surprisingly, those have been much more effective right. um, in some of the early trials, at least some of those have been more effective than, than other medications. Exactly. Right. And that's, that's a new area that we've talked about. You and I have talked about talking about those right. sort of, but we're a little bit hesitant to venture into that because it is so new and much of the research has yet to be done. Um, so we say there is no drug for BPD. It's the same with non-drug interventions. Right. There is, there isn't, there isn't a non-drug. People will say, well, let's do CBT or let's do DBT or let's do this or let's do that. Let's do exposure. It's the we have the same issue. BPD is not a single entity, right? And so, therefore, there's no single treatment, right? You have multiple aspects to this disorder somebody with borderline personality disorder might be highly anxious then you treat you have a non-drug therapy for anxiety right. or depression 
or mood instability or emotional meltdowns or um, some, some degree of paranoia, okay? And so you have to, the clinician must sort through the various aspects of this person's borderline personality disorder and then develop treatments for each ask for each symptom, if you will. So right. it's the same. It's the same with psychological interventions, are like uh, pharmacological interventions. You have to choose the ones to treat the symptoms. Right, and there there are some that are that people tend to to use more often mm-hmm. with PD, and that's like like DBT, like dialectical behavioral therapy, and some of those right. things. And, and what those. But again, what those focus on is the, you know, the history of trauma or the history of abuse. And they're, they're, they're focused on a particular aspect, hoping that by treating those aspects, it's right. going to um, affect the way in which they, they see the world. Um, but, but it's, you know, again, not a, you're, you're not, you're not treating the personality specifically. You're treating right. some of those characteristics or traits associated with it. Right, right. And so all this controversy, if you will, leads to some discussion in the professional psychiatric community of whether or not we should even rename this thing. Maybe we should come up with a different name. And, and some people say we should, and some say we, sh- we shouldn't. Um, the psychiatrists who say we shouldn't um, make the argument that it's not bordering on anything. That there is no border here. It's just, But we do know that it's somewhere between mild neurotic disorders and major psychotic disorders. So somewhere in between, but that, that may, that may not be explanatory. It may just continue to confuse people. Um, also, um, that, that there's a, there's a temperament issue, the, an inherent temperament issue involved in this. And it has something to do with our inability to regulate our mood. Okay, that that a large part of BPD is the inability to regulate one's mood. Well, that would make it a mood dysregulation disorder, make it a mood disorder. So the argument continues. Other people say that there's really nothing wrong with the name. It's not really, we acknowledge that there's a negative connotation, but maybe the negative connotation comes from, we don't know what to do about it. Well, we do know what to do about it. It's just very complex, okay? And so um, the current director of this, I mentioned the Gunderson Personality Disorders Institute at McLean Hospital. Um, they're, they're, the elements are that, the acknowledgement is that BPD is probably akin to a mood disorder. That, that Everybody agrees with that. But it's also related to trauma. And, and much of, many of the characteristics of BPD are uh, the kinds of things that we now associate with uh, trauma, uh, whatever has been experienced. And the psychotic disorders, it's associated with the psychotic disorders because in, its, in a very severe expression, we will see um, not permanent loss of contact, contact with reality, but at least a temporary um, um, short loss of contact with reality or with realistic thinking. So yes, um, it does border on those things, but it's no reason to get rid of the whole diagnosis. It's a kind of don't throw the baby out with the bathwater sort of issue. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, as this new, um, 
you know, th this, we're thinking about this new way to, to <clears> consider <throat> borderline personality disorder, you know, these, um, these experts, these researchers are looking at some of these characteristics and they're trying to sort of whittle it down to the more right. fundamental aspects of what's resulting in, or, or, you know, the reasons why some of these things are manifest mm -hmm. uh, person with uh, borderline personality disorder. And as you said, much of that is, um, emotional dysregulation, right? Um, right. Because if you, if you consider and think about how emotional um, and mood dysregulation influences us, it can get to the point where you have those, you know, detachment from reality. It, it can result in that um, right. difficulty, you know, managing the way that you, um, you feel and interact with those around you. And so, right. you know, there are a lot of people saying that really at the fundamental aspect of this is a mood dysregulation. Right, right. Um, so our thoughts on this after um, going through all of this um, inf information and especially the controversies right. surrounding it, um, are, we have a few conclusions. One is that we too easily say, we professionals right. will often say, oh, she's borderline or he's borderline as though there's some defining characteristic. And, but there isn't. Right. You know, when, when, when you teach, when you teach this stuff to um, introductory psychology court uh, in, in uh, courses in introductory psychology, when you talk about borderline personality disorder, you, you try to explain it to people, but you, you quickly, you quickly get into a more complex explanation. There isn't a single defining characteristic. You can't say this makes her borderline. This makes him borderline. It's far more complex than that. Right. Another thing is that, as you said, you know, there's not a defining characteristic. And so it's what, you know, personality disorders are what we call characterological. It's right. who you are. It's sort of everything. It's not just one thing. It's, it's everything. Right. And, and, you know, many times there are many who think that that means that there's nothing that we can do about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you see the wall and the wall is white, um, you know, it would be akin to trying to do therapy to convince you that that wall is not white. Um, the way that you see the world is not correct and you need to think about it differently. And, and so it, it leaves some uh, professionals or many professionals with the impression that there's not really anything that we can do about it. Right. So they, they don't treat it at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or they don't, they don't recognize the complexity of that. When you venture in, if you're going to treat people with borderline personality disorder, you have, the first thing you have to acknowledge is that it's incredibly complex. There are going to be multiple symptoms and you're going to have to, at, at some point in the therapeutic process, you're going to have to deal with each of those things. Right. Okay? You're not, it's not a simple solution and, and it's not going to be a single approach. There are going to be multiple problems, going to be multiple symptoms, and you're going to have to sort through them one at a time and develop different therapies. For it's almost we talk about dissociative, it's almost as though you're dealing with a different person for each of those symptoms. You know, the, the, this person has some depressive symptoms and some anxious symptoms and some um, uh, relational symptoms and some dysregulation symptoms. And it's almost as though you're dealing with multiple people. You're right. not, but you're dealing with multiple problems. Right. And, and, and along with what, you know, we, we mentioned earlier with the, that idea of egocentonic versus egodystonic. Right. One of the things that's really important when it comes to treatment is that 
Um, and the challenge that many of the many professionals have in working with people with borderline personality disorder is that the patient, you know, the patient has to recognize that some of these things are a problem. Exactly. Um, and and so, that's another huge issue. Right. Because, you know, and, and for, for this reason, many people with borderline personality disorder don't even see treatment because they don't see anything wrong with what's going on. Right. Um, so, you know, if you, if you or somebody, you know, you know, presents with some of these symptoms that we've talked about, it's really important to seek treatment uh, from a professional, a professional that you trust and that you are, you know, you will be okay hearing some really challenging things. From, because, right. You know, when we treat this, you know, there, there's a lot of confrontation. There's a lot of, you know, tell me why you chose to do that. Or tell me why, you know, some of this reasoning and everything. But the person, you know, the patient has to be able to recognize that some of these behaviors are problematic and that something needs to be done about it. That's right. Um, and that, that, that agreement between the client, the patient or client and the therapist is absolutely essential because you're going to be you're going to be working through some very difficult and sometimes very personal issues. Absolutely. And if you offend uh, the patient in some way, they're, they're simply going to they're simply going to leave. They're going to walk out. And so um, this treating people with bipolar disorder is not for the faint of heart. Borderline, bipolar, borderline personality disorder um, is not for the faint of heart. Right. Um, it's, it's very difficult because it's so complex, but it's also very personal. And the, the patient or client must, and I, we're not imposing this on them. I'm not saying they must do this for me. I'm saying that they really need to bring some commitment to it. They need to say, yes, I have a problem. Yes, this is a problem. Remember that borderline is in the same category as narcissism. It's in the same cluster as narcissism. And if a person comes in and, and doesn't think they have a problem, then, well, first of all, they're not gonna come in. If they don't think they have a problem, they're not gonna darken your door. Um, they're not gonna bother coming in. And um, and so there has to, but there has to be some agreement here because there's much work on the client's part. There's a lot of work that the client is going to have to do and they're going to have to trust you. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So yes, it's, it's very challenging, very challenging to diagnose, very challenging to treat. And, and it requires a lot of, uh, of trust and commitment, which right. is something inherently difficult for people, you know, who struggle with this. Mm -hmm. So, so right. those who seek treatment, um, you know, not only is it, um, you know, great for them to, to be seeking treatment, but it is right. a sort of tremendous self-awareness and, and strength to, for them to overcome some of these inherent uh, trait, you know, traits and characteristics that they have. They're going to overcome those to seek treatment. And that, that's just um, very commendable and, and fantastic. So that's right. So if you ever get this diagnosis or you think you might have this diagnosis, Again, because of the complexity, we would encourage you, really encourage you to seek uh, professional help with someone that you feel that you can really trust because it is it does take work and it is very, very complex. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. All right. Well, I think that's it then for today. How was my chair today? It, it wasn't too bad. It Not too bad? didn't click. And, uh, my chair clicks for some reason when I move around in it. You moved too much. <laughs> Glad I wasn't a problem. Okay, good. All right. It's a, um, again, happy October, right? Yes, you too. Um, enjoy the weather. And um, until next time, uh, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.